0: Hello, welcome to Work, Rest, Slay, the podcast for the Image Business Club, where we chat to Ireland's most interesting business leaders in the hope that we can learn from and through their experiences. My name is Melanie Morris and I'm Contributing Editor at Image Media. It's amazing, this podcast is nearing its second birthday and do you know it says a huge amount for Irish women in business that we've absolutely no shortage of incredible guests to feature. In today's episode, we meet Mary Moynihan, Senior Vice President of Global Human Resources with Dell. Mary is a professional who's worked in the HR function all of her life. She's seen a huge amount of change and evolution in how, where, and why we work in that time. And she's coached literally hundreds of thousands through her policies and strategies with Dell, where she's now worked for over 21 years. And at the moment, is overseeing a current worldwide workforce of over 133,000 people, based in 80 sites globally, which also means a lot of very different time zones and cultures. Mary is a natural people person with huge empathy as well as strategic vision. So this conversation comes at a perfect time. Whether you're listening to it to Box Off 2022 or maybe you're in the throes of planning 2023 and what it might look like for you. So we cover issues that are common to women of all types and professions from your personal brand and dealing with levels of human resilience to making an impact in the boardroom or in the meeting room or even online on Zoom, and how to get over that dreaded imposter syndrome that we're all talking about so much in recent times. Mary also has some lovely insights on how to ditch office politics and how really being true to ourselves might just be the thing that makes the difference in our career. Before we begin, it would be so appreciated if you would hit subscribe on this podcast, um, if you'd rate us, and if you'd a moment to leave a review. But for now, let's get chatting with Mary Moynihan. Mary Moynihan, thank you so much for being with us today. I know how busy you are uh, with 133,000 people under you in Dell. It's a huge number. Well, they're maybe
1: not quite (laughs) under me, right? But my organization is responsible for delivering service to them. So we have 133,000, you know, team members around the globe. And really the job, I suppose, that I have is to kind of make sure that we're offering them services that apply to all Team members, so things like onboarding new people, things like employee relations issues that arise, we deal with all of those. We deal with all their HR queries, we pay them. You know, we make sure that the culture in the various sites is positive and
0: engaging. That's kind of our job really. Mm -mm. Can you tell me about the first day you stepped into Dell? Because I know you'd a certain amount of experience under your belt already, but that was 21 years ago and so much has changed. So can you give us a little bit of a a journey through your career? Yeah, sure. So um yeah and maybe maybe I'll just go back
1: a tiny bit because I, I think it frames it up a little bit better. So I, I kind of started life in UCC. Actually, I did a degree in European studies. Then I spent a year doing a postgrad in Belgium, which is an amazing experience. Whereabouts? In Bruges. Oh, my yes. goodness. it was such a wonderful place. And it was an international college. So, like, it was my first exposure to, you know, people of different culture and nationality and all that. So that was amazing. And what sort of era was this? in? That was in the late 80s. And then I came back to Ireland, you know, at that time. And honestly, it
0: was kind of a wasteland here. Like there was just no jobs. It was really depressing. I remember my my theory on it in those days is if you wanted to work in a profession. Yes. If you wanted to be a dentist, if you wanted to be a civil servant, those jobs were there. Yes. But anything emerging was just non-existent. Mm. Mm. So I was just really lucky. Like I got a
1: job with IBEC at the time in their graduate program. There's only like three people hired a year. And um it was to be to learn to become an industrial relations expert. Really, that was the idea. So you know, it was a baptism of fire. I was kind of handed a hundred and twenty companies after six months and said, "They're now yours. You go advise them on all matters HR. Seriously, yes. You go negotiate with their trade unions. You go represent them in the labor court. So it was, you know,
0: full on. But look, what age would you have been at that stage? Twenty two. Yeah. And am I right in thinking, if I remember back to the late 80s, the early 90s, yes. there was a huge amount of strikes. There was a yes. lot of unions that were very unhappy. Oh my unhappy. God, it was really tough, you
1: know, and it was like, that's what I found most difficult about it was like a lot of the CEOs that would come in who were like, I was meant to be representing. They would honestly think I was the secretary. You know what I mean? That was their image of somebody female and my age kind of thing. I presume they were all. Middle aged male? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, middle aged and above. <laughs> so, but look, it was one of those sink. Synch- you just sank or Yeah. And like I learned more there in six years than I would have in a corporation in 20, you oh, know? Lord. So, so that was my kind of launching pad. Then I moved to Intel because I kind of wanted to. Experience, I suppose, corporate America. Really, Intel you know. were
0: one of the huge, big new employers yes. at the time, weren't they? Yeah, massive.
1: They were expanding their base out there. Leak slip. It was, you know, it was an amazing experience because I got to see corporate America kind of from the inside. So, I spent about eight years there. That was great. Very engineering kind of structured environment, and I sort of wanted then to to experience, I suppose, more of a sales and marketing kind of environment. Plus, like, I had a terrible commute and a small child, and for all those reasons, I decided to move. So Mm. I moved to Dell, and that was, like, 20-odd years ago. And, look, I mean, I've done about five or six different jobs in that time, and I've gone from, you know, a psych job in Dublin to a European role, running HR for EMEA. Then I went into a global role, running all of hiring globally for Dell, and now, and then I did a chief diversity officer role for Dell, and now I'm doing this this HR global HR services okay. role.
0: Was the diversity office role was officer role was that in addition to your HR? It, it was portfolio? sort of
1: yeah. It was pre. It was before we merged with EMC, so it was back about 2015, and so the company was a bit smaller then. Um, but it was in addition to running hiring globally, yeah, and actually running all of talent management as well. So oh my it was a very broad kind of a role. But look again, you know, all these things are just—they're just—you know—you throw yourself in and you say, "What can I achieve in a like a year?" That's kind of how I've always run my new assignments. It's like, what am I going to, you know, what's my legacy going to be at the end of this year? Oh,
0: that's a great tip because actually, and and that's maybe a a super tip to dwell on for a moment because at the beginning of this year, 2023, it's a nice way to maybe box something off and structure it. it completely. And like what I find is it
1: helps you when you're going into a new job, not to be overwhelmed by what's in front of you. So if you kind of say, look, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, you know, do all the things that need to be done, but I'm going to go for one big thing. Um, and that's then going to become part of my brand kind of going forward. Oh, you nice. Know? Yeah. So I've kind of built my career that way. And, you know, sometimes it's one thing, sometimes it's two things. But otherwise you get very caught up in busy work. That's what I find now is like there's so much coming at people and they're just like spinning like a hamster, you know. And you can you can end the year going, so what did I, what value did
0: I add this year? Isn't that what they're calling the side desk work now or whatever? The stuff that you're not measured by but lands on your desk. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, I mean, I suppose it's a combination. There is a lot of stuff landing on people's desks that they're not measured on, you know, but they just have to get through. But I think as well, it's just it's kind of something you just fall into unless you think about it. Like mm. you actually have to think, in my view, going into a year, like what is my big thing this year or my two big things? And then you have to come out of the year and say, well, did I achieve them? You know? Yeah. And actually, if you pare it
0: down to that simple. Yes. Um, you're only accountable to yourself.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and that way you can build your kind of brand over time, mm. you know, mm. and you can talk to that and, that becomes something other people know you for,
0: you know, as distinct from answering all your emails. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you in the Intel days, what sort yeah. of work were you doing? Because obviously you were doing a lot of industrial relations in the yes. ABEC days. Yes. When you went into business into the big American company. Yes. What sort of things were you learning at that time?
1: So I suppose the big difference was like Intel was had a very strong belief in the need to have, like, direct relationships with its team members, you know, for team members to feel they could be heard and they could get their issues resolved there and then, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things that I really thought was different was, like, they were if, if they felt they were wrong and someone raised an issue, they would say, yeah, you got a point, we are wrong, you know? Oh. Um, whereas when I was in IBEC, like, that was not something you you heard companies ever say they just like defended their position and the union defended their position and it just became this going around in circles kind of exercise so that was one and actually at one point I did a role there of an ombudsperson and that was my job and if I felt you know the person had been unfairly treated I just said yep sorry we're gonna change that and um you know, that was... That's quite revolutionary in that time. because at, it, at that time. What, mid-90s at exactly, this stage? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, something like was totally new to me and I think new to most D-members too. you know. So
0: I could see that being a huge asset to have in your skill toolkit going into Dell.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because Dell, like the difference between Dell and Intel was Dell is probably more fast moving because it's a sales and marketing environment more mm. than at least now it's become I suppose now we we it's there's a big engineering component to it too. But Intel was a true engineering company at its base. You know, that was what it was all about. Um and so yeah and it was very fast moving. But again like I was able to bring that what's the issue? What are the options? Let's make a decision, move on. You
0: and know? is it this kind of pragmatic view of work? and work situations that you think has gone through your career?
1: I think that has been a huge benefit, mm. that I tend not to get stuck in positions on things. You know, I've always been very kind of solution-focused. We're all looking for the same outcome here, guys. Let's, you know, let's sit down figure it out. You know,
0: let's not decide who's to blame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody said to me, it's, well, go hard on the pro- problem, not the person. Yeah, Isn't that the thing? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and yeah.
1: focus like on if you can get everybody focused on the outcome and, you know, then they, they sort of like the process doesn't really matter, you know, and, and people often get very tied up in the detail and why are we doing it this way and not that way. And like at the end of the day, wh- what, what you should be focused on is what you want to achieve, not how you got there. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of pragmatic and I suppose the other thing that has always, I think helped me a lot is I'm very focused on relationships, like, and I'm very direct with people. So I spend a lot of time building relationships and I'm very honest and transparent. So people know there's no hidden agenda, you know.
0: But you've got, you're you're obviously interested in people.
1: Absolutely. That's mm. I suppose at my core. If I if I hadn't gone down this road, I think I would have been a psychologist because I'm <laughs> same I'm, job <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, mm. except maybe there's a little more theory and there's not as much action.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so can you tell us a little bit about your role now in yeah. Dell because you know when you're at the very very top, you must mm. be very involved in strategy.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm like part of um a global team of um HR people with so there's about 12 of us on the team that run all aspects of HR globally. And we kind of, you know, advise the company on everything to do with succession planning, talent management, hiring strategy, you know, crisis management, like the whole gambit really. So a lot of the decisions, you know, we make as a joint group as to what's the right approach and then we're all responsible for different aspects of it and we bring, I suppose, the case in and then we put our recommendations and we often then get input from others to make sure, you know, we're doing the right thing. But it's intriguing because you get to, you know, you get to influence decisions that are like right across the spectrum. I was going to
0: ask, are the 12 people that your colleagues, that, that they would be, are they all over the world? Well, they're all in America except me. No way? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. So you're the one who's got to work out of the time zone.
1: Yes. Now, mind you, the European time zone, we're very lucky, you know, in that we're in the middle. Mm. So, like, I deal with a lot of, you know, colleagues in Asia and in the US. But, like, most of the time I'm able to manage it within, you know, the 12 hours of a day here kind of thing. Um. But it's like I feel the weight, I suppose, of bringing an international perspective, you know, not just the European perspective, but also like I spend a lot of time, did spend before COVID a lot of time traveling in Asia and stuff so that I could also try to bring that perspective, you Mm. know, because it's just easy when you're with people who have a similar experience to you, brought up like you, like you all think in a certain way, you know, but it's very different if you're sitting in China or you're sitting in India or you're sitting in Dublin,
0: you know, it's just a different mindset. You Absolutely. Know? May I ask if the if the other disciples are all yeah. in the States, <laughs> how do they come across Mary in Dublin? <laughs> well, I suppose it was a over time yeah. kind of built. But I mean,
1: that's what comes back to this whole brand thing, yeah. you know, is like. I just got a reputation as someone who was a kind of a doer, a go-getter, but also someone who listened, you know, to other perspectives and was kind of able to bring people with me. Um, And I was always quite vocal. Um, I mean, that's the other thing. I I think that when you're at a distance, it's easy to kind of sit back and just put your phone on mute and start doing something else. Well, especially with the remote working that's been going on. Yeah, it's so easy, you know. But I have always had this theory, like if you're in a meeting, you shouldn't be there unless you're going to contribute, you know, and that means listening to other people and then contributing, you know, and being vocal. So, you know, one of my little tips is like I often in these meetings, like especially before we, we started using video, mm. um, you know, I would like jump in first so that I could be heard. Do you know what I mean? And then even if everyone else was in the room and I was the only one on the phone, if I got in first, I'd get to kind of influence the direction of the conversation. And at least I'd be heard. You yes. Know? Yes. So, now
0: I'm sure there are people listening to this going, I could not do that if you paid me. Yes. Any tips yeah. for maybe the, the people who are a little bit more reticent or a little bit more yeah. shy about getting, getting your voice heard?
1: So, I mean, two things I'd say. One is like, The first thing you have to remember in life is if you don't speak, you can't influence. So if you're comfortable with not influencing anything, then be comfortable with not speaking, Mm -hmm. right? But if you want to influence, you just have to get up the courage to do it, you know? So one of the things I try to do is like, if we have a meeting and say someone sends out, you know, the content in advance or something, I'll read the content, I'll make sure I'm ready so that I can jump in, intelligently. So you're you're
0: not coming to it cold. I'm not
1: coming cold. Mm. Exactly. Mm. If I haven't seen it in advance, like a lot of it is about listening intently. Like if you actually listen intently, you will find good things to say. You know what I mean? You will have something to contribute. But if you're only half listening and you're multitasking, you know what? You won't. So, and then it's practice. Honestly, Melanie, after that, it's like, you got to practice you got to hear your voice and the more you hear your voice the more comfortable you get with it
0: mm. i'd love to come back to the point about active listening because i think irish people were a bit quick maybe to talk yes. without taking on board what was what was the thing i saw a meme over the course of the day or the, the course of the week and it was somebody something about um i'm listening to your story but i'm looking forward to telling you mine because it involves me <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> But, but you, you yes. do pick up an awful lot. There's a lot of hints yes. and signals yes. in what you hear, isn't there?
1: Totally. And I mean, that, that is actually a great observation because when people are listening, often they're just listening with a view to how can I get in, mm. right? Or mm. how does that relate to me as this thing from listening to truly understand, you know, and to ask deeper questions like what do you mean by that why did you say that you know what experience led you to that viewpoint you know those the more you ask that the more you learn
0: yeah and a question is a very good way in because i think it's asking somebody to tell you more about what they're already telling you about
1: exactly exactly and you really begin to draw out then kind of deeper insights
0: you Mm. know and it's probably maybe a nice easier way in rather than having to put in your full 10 cents exactly the beginning is it? they end up doing the talking <laughs> instead of you you're uh, no but pressure being visible I mean a lot of people they're still not putting the camera on at virtual yes, meetings yes. so they're still really not contributing yeah
1: I mean honestly I am shocked mm. by how people still behave in the in this context because like we have all the tools now I mm. mean it was people used to always say to me oh you know I'm in Asia or I'm in here and I'm the of plastic in the middle of the table and nobody hears me and my English isn't good enough and all this. Right. And I get all that. I mean, that I wouldn't dismiss that, that Mm. that's, that was true. Right. But now here we are, we're in a much more level playing field. Everybody's on the screen. Like we have very few in-person meetings now. Mm. Almost all of them are. And, and still those very same people are not turning on their camera So, so it's like, come on,
0: you,
1: you can't, you have to grab the bull by the horns, like, and just get in there and get engaged. And if you're not engaged, then why are you here? Like, would be my question. You know, if you're not feeling energized enough to get engaged then go somewhere else, like Mm. where you have a passion.
0: Tell me about your view on personal brand when it comes to dress code for virtual meetings.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's another fascinating one. So, like, my view is a virtual meeting, you need to treat it the same as an in-person meeting. So, because it's the same environment, really, you know, you're still in a, whether it's a corporate environment or whatever it happens yeah. to be, right? But if the dress code when you were marching into the office was, you know, smart, casual or whatever, then, you know, in virtual meetings, you need to do the same because that's the expectation, you know, of the people around you. That's Mm. what they kind of associate with. So I'm very into like I get up in the morning, put on the makeup. Even if I'm working from home, put on like a suit often, or like you know, dress up. Yeah, as though I'm going to the office. I, it, there's no, you would not know the day I was in the office versus the day I was at home. I look exactly the same.
0: Well, it's probably this next layer of personal brand as well, isn't it? Yeah. Because people will know you, yes, for how you turn up
1: completely, mm. and like people assign meaning to how you appear. Right. Mm. So if you appear and you're well-groomed and you're prepared and you're, you know, what they think is, well, you're respectful towards them. You know, you have your stuff together. You're, you know, you're proud of yourself. So they assign all sorts of meaning to that. Like if I come in in my track suit and I'm looking with my baseball cap, I mean, people are saying, well, maybe she's just relaxed, she's quiet quitting, she's, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever, right? Yeah. But it may not be true, but that is the meaning people associate with certain
0: things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you. these are all obviously little, little things that are all going towards, you know, what we were talking about, your toolkit of yeah. personal brand. Yeah. And I presume, you know, another thing. That goes into all of that is, you know, the the, the way you ask for work or the way yes. you respond to a relationship with your peers. Yes. And do you need to get political? Yeah, so I mean this is another,
1: I think, fascinating one and a lot of it has to do, in my view, with culture, right? So this is one I see in particular between American and European cultures. Oh, yeah. In American culture like the prevailing approach is if you ask me to do something I say awesome Melanie that sounds like a great idea let me ha- let me take that mm. away and have a look at it right now I might take it away and have a look at it and say oh this is kind of rubbish and then I might come back to you and say hey Melanie you know I was thinking I'm not sure this is really maybe how we should approach this what about x y and z right mm-hmm. In European culture, the, the tendency is more to kind of go, Why would I, you know, why are you asking me to do that? Like, and so there's almost like an thing from the beginning. There's a resistance. Yes, yeah. Very often it ends in the same place. In other words, the reason I'm resisting is because it makes no sense to me, mm. right? But I didn't start from that place. You know what I mean? Now you feel like, hang on a minute. You know, I'll go to someone who has. You know, who I'll go to somebody this. with a better disposition. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I've seen that over and over and over again. So, I've kind of learned now to, you know, play th- play things in a more positive way, and then take it away and apply logic to it, and kind of come back then with a more, you know. Uh, logical rather than emotional reaction.
0: So it's a bit like the real life version of not responding to an email when you're in the red zone. Totally. Yeah, exactly <laughs> and it's the person to person version yes, of that. It's yes. take it on board. Yeah. Don't say no. Don't show maybe what you're really thinking. Go yes. off, mull it over yeah. and then think of the best then way to Then come respond. back
1: in a logical kind of fashion okay. you know and not be in a defensive type mode you
0: know. Because actually, the person that you feel you're getting a rapport going with is the person you're going to come to again, and it's the person you're going to totally. develop a working relationship with. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: and you—I mean, I've—I've I've learned that now myself. When I look at it from the other side, is like when people respond positively to me, I'm like, oh, they're great. You know, that, that's now off my list. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and and even if they come back afterwards and and say, mm, not so sure about it, like. You know, it's fine. I feel then they've thought about it. Maybe they've come up with a better suggestion. You know, it's mm, all good. Right. Mm, but mm. if it's someone who's like, mm, I don't know, why, why would you do that anyway? Kind of. Yeah. It's like, oh God, you know, can you be
0: a nice girl? Can you be a nice colleague and still manage to get places? hundred <laughs> percent okay so how <laughs> I want to, I want
1: to think that <laughs> I am one of them this right. now. okay
0: <laughs> so
1: I mean look again I think it comes down to this thing of being um nice but firm okay that's the key so nice doesn't mean yes 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 I'll do everything I'll never push back I'll never ask for anything. That's my book is not nice. Mm-hmm. Nice is kind of what I've just described there, which is, hey, sure, let's have a look at this, you know. Um, but then it's coming back going, hang on, I have assessed it, you know, and here's what's great about it, but I think here's what would be very challenging. Could we look at it some
0: other way? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah.
1: to me is some of the way that you deal with the, you know, because people just want you to be honest and straight and direct. You know what I mean? They, mm. they don't want you to be faffing around and, you know, then going behind your back and saying, oh God, there's no way I'm going to do this. You know, so if you just get into your head that, look, most people want you to be honest. You can be nice about being honest. You know, you can, another example I often give is like things like performance management, right? That's one of those ones that, Everybody just shies away from... Terrifying. Terrifying. So nobody wants to give constructive feedback, right? (laughs) They want to give positive feedback um, because they're terrified of hurting Mm, someone. mm. So, but like, that's a cop-out, you know, on our part that we don't give that constructive feedback. And you can give it in a way that's affirming. You know what I mean? That's like, listen, this is what you're brilliant at, Melanie. I love the way you do this, right? Mm But this thing here is just tripping you up, yeah. You know, yeah. And I, I don't want to see that. Like, I want to support you. I want to see excel. So, you know, that's a different thing. To well, you have a performance problem, Melody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you need to work harder. At yes, this. it's not yeah. that.
0: It's I, I like the word. This is tripping you up. But you know, it's, yeah. Uh, it's an obstacle. It's it something. is, yeah. but it's something yeah. you
1: can once you're aware of, then you have a good chance of doing something about. Mm. But like, it would be a cop out for me not to say that to you because because then I'm just watching you fail, mm, you mm. know, and I i don't want to I don't want to make myself uncomfortable by telling you. Yeah, I mean, that is a cop out.
0: Can I ask you your views, Mary, on, you know, the last quarter of 2022? It was quite shocking to see the amount of redundancies that were coming up, The you know, all the tech sector yeah. going absolutely upside down. Is this something that you think is going to carry on into 2023 or how do you think this is all going to evolve?
1: So look, I mean, I think we have been through, this is about the third um, one of these kind of cycles I've been through in okay. the tech sector. Um, going the seven back, year itch then. If yeah. You've been and in it years, yeah. Um, but, and, and look, I, I don't, I honestly think it's a blip. I don't think it's a long-term gig because You know, if when you think about it, I mean, digital transformation is kind of how businesses are evolving their business. It's how they're making themselves more efficient. It's how they're reaching wider audiences. It's all those things, Mm -hmm. right? Data continues to explode. So I don't think the tech industry is going down the tubes. I just think we got ahead of ourselves. Like we had this huge boom over the last couple of years, you know, all through COVID. yeah. Yeah. When other industries were really, really struggling, like tech was flying, Mm. you know? And, Mm. you know, most companies hired and hired and hired and then found, whoa, like actually now a lot of people are going back to shopping instead of online shopping. And so, so maybe companies just don't need as much as they thought they needed at that time. But I think it's, I think it's just a correction. I, and I think the correction will go into next year, but I don't think it'll go on and on.
0: You know, and as somebody with such a speciality in HR, um, for people maybe listening to this that have been made redundant, it's yeah. not something people it happens to them very often. Yes. Please goodness, yes. And um, any tips on how they should regather themselves?
1: Yeah. So look, it's it's a very shocking thing, you know, for most people um, when it's not of your choosing. Mm. Um, so what I would advise people is really kind of sit down and look at your skills. Like, don't be fixated with, oh, I was a HR manager before, so now I need to be, look for just, you know. Yeah. Look at your skills and say, what am I really good at? You know, and be able to articulate that and give great examples of of those things, right? And then go out and look at, you know, put some of those skills in to Google, and see what comes up.
0: Well, good point. Yeah. You know, because yeah.
1: often you'll find other professions and other types of jobs that you never even thought of mm. that could use those skills, you know, so just don't get too boxed in. And the other thing I'd say to people is like, keep up a healthy routine of like exercise and getting up in the morning and having a structure to your day. You know, because it's really important to be in mentally in the right zone when you're looking for work and don't spend all day focusing on looking for a job. You know, say, okay between, you know, 10 and one every day, I'm going to focus, I'm going to get online, I'm going to apply for things, I'm going to do this. And then the rest of the time I'm going to do other things, Mm -hmm. you know, because you really need to keep yourself grounded during these, especially if you're someone who's been busy, 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 busy all their lives and suddenly you know one day
0: there's no emails and i think the disruption of the end of one year and the beginning of another it takes us out of routine so yes. i love that tip about like literally and we all had to do it during yeah. the lockdowns we did have to try and keep routine in our lives yes so it's probably a similar
1: type exactly. of mindset isn't exactly. it? exactly and yeah. like look you're not alone like there are loads of people in these situations mm. and you know, I have met many people over the years who, you know, have been made redundant by companies I worked for or by me or by someone like that. Yeah. Um and, you know, they've they've gone on to do other really interesting and different things. Mm. And, you know, for some people maybe who weren't that happy in their job, like treat it as a opportunity to go try something completely different. Yeah. No. You know. Because it, it's it's so important to love what you do because then you will excel. Like if you don't like what you do, it's very, very hard to be
0: good at it. Mm, mm, no, completely. Yeah. Um. We You touched at the beginning of our chat about trying to pick one or two things in yes. the year that you want to be your legacy for that year. Looking back on the, the year that's just happened, um, what do you think were your two things this year, Mary? Yeah, last year was the year when we reopened
1: our offices Um, and you know, was really, we took a very open kind of book approach to it. We sort of said, okay, we were highly productive during COVID with 97% of our people working from home. Yeah. So let's not go in and order everybody back to the office. Um, let's kind of go out and be driven kind of by the data. So we went out, we surveyed people left, right, and center. Most people said they didn't want to come back full time. Um a lot of people said they wanted a hybrid um structure, so we facilitate we basically said, if unless you're in manufacturing or in one of the labs, you can either come back or not come back or mm. come back three days a week or four days or whatever suits you, right um but what's and most people actually have chosen to be fully remote. Really? Enough. Yeah. Now come in the odd time, but, yeah. but certain not like two, three days a week. Interestingly enough, that was a shocker to me. I thought everyone would want two or three days in the yes. office, which is what I want. Right? Yeah. Yeah, what yeah. I yeah. do, Right. A little bit of what a you little fancy. bit of both. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not too much of anything. I thought that was going to be by far the um, preferred approach. But interestingly enough, people have new routines. Some of them have moved to other places um, school, you know, school, school runs, yeah, and things they've like joined that. the yeah. gym somewhere mm. else. It's mm. amazing how people just adapt their lives and then, and they, they obviously prefer it, like, because that's what they want to
0: do. So you had to initiate all of the back research about it exactly and then, and and then, then activate kind it. of activate
1: it and then, you know, train leaders on how to manage the hybrid, you know, because some people are in, some people are out, some people are. I think one of the unique features about our environment is that a lot of people are in teams that are remote anyway. So they're in European teams or global teams or whatnot. So there's very few people who are actually working with an intact team that's in the location they're in. Okay, You know what I mean? Every team team member. Yeah. 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 So that is a difference compared Mm. to a lot of other companies. Mm. Um, But it's still really surprising me. But look, we're continuing to evolve it. We've said, you know, we'll keep listening. We'll keep evolving. We're not stuck in any one way or the other. But only about a third of the people who were office bound have come back to the office, really, more than, you know. And this is
0: globally. Yeah. Gosh, that's interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Fascinating. Let me come back to confidence because I mean, firstly, you strike me as a very confident person. Nobody is 100% confident. And what sort of tips have you gathered through the years to, to keep your brand looking and appearing confident?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good question. Like, I suppose in many ways, confident for me, confidence has just come with with age, and experience, <laughs> you know, and yeah. experience, you know. Because I remember, like, when I started out my career, one of my biggest fears in life was standing up in front of people speaking. Really? That was my big dread, and. I knew, like, if I wanted to do, to kind of progress in the profession, I mean, I had to be able to do that, right? Because, like, a lot of the time you're standing up at these big all-hands meetings and whatnot. And uh, so what I started to do was I actually started to volunteer to speak at conferences. Oh,
0: next. my God. Yes. That's like, like skydiving. <laughs> this called, like, feel the fear and do it anyway. My God.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So I just kept going and kept practice, practice, practice. And even now, even before, like, I would go and speak at something, I would go and speak at the mirror, and I would practice, and, you know, and I still do some of that. Now, not as much now, because I'm way more comfortable now, but honestly, it took about
0: 20 years to get to the point where... I wasn't, I didn't have butterflies in my stomach. So is this, this thing about getting out of your comfort zone, but not into the terror zone, get into your stretch zone and the stretch will keep stretching, keep stretching and keep doing
1: small things. Like, I think that's the other thing. The other thing is like, you know, we have people over from, you know, presidents and blah, 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 who'd, who'd be coming over on visits and stuff and, you know, nobody wants to be the one going up saying, hi, I'm Mari, you know. Um, so I would have always shied away from that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but again, like, I just started to say, okay, I'll just do it this one time, right? And I'll just try it, you know. And I'll I'll pick someone that, like, I have something to say to that's yeah. of interest to them, you know what I mean? And that way it becomes less about me and more about them. So, so I just kind of started that way of just pushing the boat out bit by bit by bit and look it's practice 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 that's what it is
0: and I it's never as terrifying as you think it's going to be. never are women yeah. awful o- over processors
1: yes <laughs> yes
0: do you notice that with all I of do. your teeth? i do and yeah. like
1: i talk a lot to you know because we have a women's network across the globe and stuff and i often go and speak in you know to different groups around the mm. world and stuff and it's, it's the same everywhere. And it's this, like, fear, I think it comes down to this fear of failure, really. Okay. You know, of wanting to be perfect, wanting to have it, you know, not wanting to kind of take the risk of messing up is mm-hmm. is a big thing. So, and we're kind of taught that from very early on and, you know, we're rewarded for being very, you know, meticulous and crossing the T's and dotting the I's and, In school and, you know, the good girl kind of syndrome, Mm -hmm. do the homework. So we're not kind of encouraged. I, I think girls are not encouraged as much to take risks, maybe as boys are. And it's not in our DNA, you know? So, so you have to, you have to kind of work on it. You know, you have to be aware and you have
0: to kind of, consciously take it on well it's the analysis paralysis isn't it if yeah you think about something too much oh, yeah you're literally going to terrify yourself out of it aren't you totally
1: and the other thing is we ruminate too much after something goes wrong like you go in you do we pres- really do don't oh, we it's awful like you know you go in you go you do a presentation and people just throw up all over it And you come out feeling devastated. And then you spend the next week thinking about it. Month. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your antidote to that? So my antidote is, um, and I learned this from someone who was a a very senior woman in in the banking industry. And she said to me, listen, I come out of these meetings and this is the way I used to be. I used to be like, why did I say that? And what did he mean by that? And all this sort of stuff. Mm. And then I'd see... These lads, you know, clapping each other in the back, walking down the corridor going, come on, are we going for pints? Yes. Right? Yes. And they'd all have been killing each other in there, right? <laughs> and she's like, why? They're just like, okay, door closed, you know, yeah. Yeah. over, move on. So she said, I started to do that and just say, put a line under it. You know, what did I learn? What would I do differently? And once you've analyzed that, and that, that should only take five minutes, <laughs> then just move on.
0: Close the book and move on.
1: Yeah. And, and look, your brain obviously keeps going back there, but you have to keep saying, take out the CD and put
0: in a new one. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Take out the CD, put in a new one. Um, what do you think about, um, gender quotas on boards for women? Do you think it's a good idea or?
1: Honestly, Melanie, I go back and forth on this in my head all the time. Um, I would say like, in my heart, I don't like the concept of quotas only because I never want to be the token woman type of thing, and most women I know don't. Um so so that's the the reason I don't like them. On the other hand, there are places where you know we're making no progress and kind of the only way to make progress in some instances is to is to force it and then to prove that there's plenty of qualified women to do mm. these things. So, but look, in general, like I know that there was a report recently there on the balance for better. um, And, you know, we are making some progress, which is great. And that's being done on a voluntary basis, not on on an enforced basis. So, provided we're making progress, I would prefer not to have quotas. But obviously, if there are sectors or individual places where we're not, then, you know, you gotta make people if they won't come along.
0: Well, actually it's a good way of, of looking at it. Um I'd love to go back to your role as chief diversity officer mm-hmm. when you were in, in Dell. Yeah. Um where you still are obviously. Yeah. But um I think it's, it's a topic that has blown up. Yes. And I think people are now at a stage where people are almost too scared to know how to deal with language, how to deal with situations, how to deal with circumstances. Yes. Uh, and again, it's the analysis paralysis situation. Yes. yes. How can we inform ourselves? How do we start a conversation? How do we start a work ethic yes. that is truly diverse? Yeah. So,
1: like... My theory on it is that I I hate all this PC stuff, first Mm. of all, because I feel like it's actually the enemy of diversity, you know, Um, because in many ways, to me, what diversity is all about is it's about kind of respectful curiosity about other people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and most people like I, I think of scenarios where, you know, I've traveled to different countries and stuff and you know, people are dressed different or they're this. And I always say, so tell me about your dress sense and your culture around it and the meaning of it. And generally people love talking about that, right? Mm -hmm. And then I get educated about it. Mm. And then I no longer have a bias about it or I'm no longer concerned about it. So... Like, it's about educating ourselves, but doing it in a respectful and curious way and not in a judging kind of way, you know? But I think what most people do now is they just avoid, like,
0: pretend you don't notice. Somebody right? could literally be setting fire to themselves. In front of you. <laughs> it's like the pregnancy thing where you don't <laughs> comment, not even when the water is burst in front of you. Totally. It's the same thing. Can we thing? come back from this? It's like, totally. And mm. like, if you, you
1: just have to ask people, mm. like... I mean, you take an example, say you had someone on your team who was Muslim and who it was coming up to Ramadan and it's like maybe all your team are co-located and you all went for lunch and you went for afternoon tea or whatnot. Like, so what do you do then during Ramadan when this one person, like, do you bring them with you? Do you just all walk off? What do you do, right? So there to me is a great example of if I was the leader of that team, I'd be like, look, I go ask the person, I'd say, look, first of all, I know Ramdam's coming up. How would you like us to handle... How would you like me to help you handle this with the team? Just so it's all comfortable. Would you like to ex- explain even to the team the significance of it? What's it all about? Why do, you know, people do this in your culture? And then, you know, would you prefer to come with us to eat? Like to sit there or stay here? Yeah. And then, you know, let you let the person be the one to say to the team, hey guys... Don't worry about me or whatever, right? But but say it out. Don't just ignore it and pretend it's not happening, you know. That's, I think, the key in my mind to
0: diversity. But it's it's the same with everything, that if you talk something out, yes. you, you get to the nub of the situation, exactly. don't you? And you yeah.
1: find that it isn't that big a deal at all. Yeah. I mean, most, you know, most conflicts really arise from misunderstandings and, and people as, assigning meaning to things that doesn't actually... I mean, it's
0: not correct meaning you know and again it's been built up in the head yeah. or it's been built up with the group um and i know another uh situation i'd say a lot of people um listening to this that might be um owner owners of smes yes they are also the hr manager yeah they are also the marketeer they are also the everything else yeah it must be very very hard to be the owner of the business and the HR manager of the yeah, business. Yeah. So can you give us any tips on how to structure the different relationships yeah. that one, one person one, might be wearing? Yeah.
1: So look, I mean, you know, in the absence of having a sophisticated kind of HR department mm. or people around you to advise, my simple advice to people is just take the mantra of treat people like you would like to be treated. Like in every situation, ask yourself, is this how I'd like it to be treated? Mm, mm. You know, because that is the best guidepost you can find, you know, because it leads you to be open, transparent, you know, grateful, curious, you know, all those things that you would like other people to do to you. Yeah, yeah. So I I think the other thing is we underestimate people's ability, for example, to deal with bad news. Like, I think most people are well capable of dealing with it, provided, you know, you give them the facts, they feel you're being fair, they feel you're being honest, you know, like, nobody's stupid here. Like, we, you know, if the facts are laid out, and you're being completely open and honest with people, generally, they can accept all sorts of bad news, like, so it's, but a lot of the time we try to like keep, you know, I, I noticed this in my IBEC days, like a lot of smaller companies, see, they were afraid to like show data, share results, those kinds of things because they kind of thought it'd be used against them. Yeah. And yeah. So know. if
0: you need to have a difficult conversation, mm. is there ever a better time to have difficult conversations? Is it a Monday morning thing? Is it a Friday evening thing? Is it yeah. a virtual thing? Should it be in real life? Yeah. I mean,
1: I don't think there is, you know, a good day or a good time per se, but I do think if you can do it in in real life, it's better for Mm. sure. Mm. Um, If you can't do it in real life, then definitely do it in video rather than phone. Right. And, and do not do it on text yeah. <laughs> or, or on tweet.
0: <laughs> Nothing happens in WhatsApp that's serious. No, isn't, that no, isn't that the rule? No. So yeah.
1: that, like, I mean, that, that was actually, to me, very disappointing. Like, that whole thing of what's happened with Twitter and, you know. Because, like, it, that's so not the tech industry, actually. Like, most most companies in the tech industry are very kind of pro-employee and very positive mm. kind of employee relations cultures. Um, and very respectful, and you know, give people good benefits. And when these awful things happen, like you have to let people go, they're generally well looked after, etc. So that was very disappointing. Yeah. And I don't think it's representative of the sector as
0: a whole, actually. You well, know? it's maybe more about the persona I than would the think so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm. wellness at work initiatives—is yes. that all about you know yoga and bean bags, or do you think it has a place? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I definitely think it has a place because I think, you know, what sparked it Mm -hmm. is the realization of companies that actually well-being and productivity are connected.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: Which is to me is fantastic that people have accepted that reality and that the whole, you know, just always on culture isn't really a good thing for productivity Mm. and it isn't a good thing for individuals. Um, so I think in general, it's very good. There's a lot of like now, um, you know, webinars and, you know, online health screening and all that that has come in to Mm. companies that kind of wasn't there, you know, five years ago, even, Mm. you know, Mm. I mean, I think where sometimes it can get a bit intense is all this like tracking of you know your steps and then challenges and you know i I just think this organized fun yeah or organized i'm not a huge fan of tracking 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 everything because i just think it becomes a stress in itself Mm, you know mm,
0: mm. i mean you kind of know when you've done like the right amount of exercise yeah (laughs) yeah no completely Uh, but but in terms of things that are brought into businesses you think a little bit is good but yeah. too much becomes a little bit well overpowering? i
1: think i mean look i suppose like all these things it's a take it or leave it scenario yeah. so some people you know these things are put out there and people can either take them or leave them mm. you know mm. so in general i think it's very good um i mean it has really helped to destigmatize mental health um now people are openly talking about mental health openly. is that a
0: difficult one in terms of running teams
1: it is, like, because, again, it was one, it's a bit like the diversity conversation. It was one of these things that people just were afraid to say anything about, mm. you know mm. what I mean? Um, whereas now it's perfectly acceptable to say, listen, I'm totally stressed out. I'm taking a week out. Like,
0: Today is not the day. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, this is, this is okay. You know? And
0: employers are obviously listening to that a little bit more.
1: Very much so. And yeah. putting in a lot of supports for people, you know, to try and... Help them address things earlier so that it doesn't become, you know, this huge issue kind of thing. So I think it's all it's a win win, really. You know,
0: and just as we begin to wrap up, I'd love to hear what you think about mentorships and men. You know, a lot of women love. The idea of having a mentor. Yes. And I'm sure you've mentored so many over the course of your career. Can you give us some tips on maybe what's a good thing for the year to come? If somebody was going to get a mentor, how should we approach it? What should we be looking for? What's a really good mentorship plan? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I I think the most important thing in mentorship is being clear on what you want out of the relationship. Right. Mm. So what what is it you're trying to address or fix or, you know, enhance or whatever, because that will then help you to pick the right person. It's really important to find someone who can help you with specifically what you want. And that could be at a point in time, you know. Like this year, it could be that I want help with, you know, speaking up at meetings, right? As an example, right? Next year, it could be something completely different. Mm. And therefore, my mentor might need to be different. So I think, you know, making sure you're clear on your outcomes, choosing a person who can help you with that. Someone who sees you in action is important because that's the other thing. There's no point getting advice from someone who never sees you. You know, you want to be able to have someone almost like critique you around, yeah, I saw you do that. Great. This this is maybe where you could, you know, tweak how you do it. So someone who sees you is important. And then, like, don't turn the meetings into a chat. We have a tendency to do that with mentors, to yes. just develop it into a friendship in a way. And we're all chatting away, but we're not actually achieving the objectives that we set out out of it. So what I say to people is, like, if you want me to be my mentor, come into the meeting with An objective, and then we'll talk about that. We can obviously have small talk and all the rest, but, you know, and then I want you to go away at the end of the meeting with some actions, and then at the next meeting, let's talk about what you did about the actions.
0: Bit of accountability.
1: A little bit, because otherwise it can get, especially I find women who are mentoring other women, it can become... Just a, a nice, warm a chatty backslap, Chat. yes, <laughs> and it's lovely, but it's not the intent.
0: <laughs> Mary, what I'm getting from you, and actually, do you know if we're going to filter it down into yeah. a few tips for the year ahead? Working with purpose, mm-hmm. working with a plan, yeah, working with an open mind, yes, not being afraid to have the conversation, yes, to support your colleagues, yes. Don't deliver the hard news in hard nuggets. Be a little yes. bit softer maybe in yes. your delivery. Yes. Any other tips that you can think of going into the year ahead? I could hire you, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. You're very good at netting it out, as we say. Um, honestly. Is it going like, to be a tough year this year, do you think?
1: I think it will be a tough year. I, I do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what I would say, I suppose there's two things in the context of it being a tough year if you love your job right then in a year like this be very mindful of focusing on what are the things that add most value to the business or to your customers Mm -hmm. because that is your best ticket to, to survival and success right if you're really focused on adding value don't find yourself in a role that is kind of peripheral and it's like very hard to assign value to try and get out of that situation and get into the value place. Right. So that's if you love your job, if you don't love your job, get out
0: and start finding and a start job, finding
1: a job you love, because that will be your ticket to long term survival. You know, you're never going to survive in a job you don't like long term, really, because
0: Eventually, your your number will be up. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think women are actually bad at going for the focus, going for the money shot. Yes, we all think we have to be all things to all people. Totally, but actually, rein it in, rein it in. Work like, smarter. Yeah,
1: and drop some of the stuff that, like, that's the other thing is like actually kind of contract with your manager or whatever to say, listen, I have like these five things in the place. I think these three are the things that can really help our customers here yeah. or, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm I proposing that we drop the other two. What do you think? Right? Because that way, then, you know, you can focus on yeah. adding value. It's very hard to focus on the five, yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: And we can all be busy, fools. Totally, yeah, yeah. I'm going to finish with a quick round of questions okay, for you, Mary, for just to it. get the measure of you now. <laughs> okay, Mary Moynan, which do you prefer? A work breakfast, a work lunch, or a work dinner?
1: Definitely breakfast, because um, my US colleagues
0: appear at my lunchtime and all the hell breaks loose after that. <laughs> okay. And where do you take people? If you're taking people for breakfast, where would you take them?
1: Um, I, would, I, like the, I like the intercontinental, mm-hmm. actually, because it's easy to get parking. Yep, and yeah, it's yep nice. absolutely. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Um, what's your work uniform?
1: Yeah, I'm a dress-up girl rather than dress-down, as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. So I wear a lot of, like, dresses, actually, and kind of skinny jeans and, you know, that Do sort you build of a wardrobe over time? I do, yeah. yeah. I'm quite deliberate about my wardrobe and, you know, culling things and introducing. And I tend to buy sort of the same labels, like three or four of the same. And that way their colour palettes are kind of the same year on year. Or they at least... They at least match each other. They do. They do. They they're kind working of build. Of. Yeah. Yeah. So that way you can kind of recycle things. Mm-hmm. Do you do, are you still doing a lot of traveling with work? No, not vir- virtually none compared right. to what, I, and I was literally on a plane every month, like long haul. Um, But now, nope, I was in the US there about two months ago. I haven't been anywhere since. And are you missing it or are you quite enjoying it? Well, them? I mean, yes and no. I enjoy um not being so tired and um you know having a a more structured life here um I miss I miss the context like that's the great thing about travel when you get a much better context of where your people are coming from than Mm. when you're just sitting behind a
0: screen yeah yeah in the morning when Mm. you pick up the phone what are the first apps or things that you look at
1: WhatsApp, definitely mm-hmm. my go-to place. <laughs> and then probably, actually, RT News. This I'm, I probably sound yeah. aged and boring now, but yes. And uh, Sky News. I'm a news kind of junkie.
0: Hmm. So you want to get what's going on all yeah. around the world. Yeah, uh, Virtual or in-real-life meetings, which do you prefer or which is good for what? Yeah, so
1: in-person would definitely be my pre- preference. And I do think it's a better medium Um But look, I mean, virtual is, you can make virtual work very well, but only if you use video. And you turn it
0: on. (laughs) How do you keep a virtual meeting to point and short?
1: So, well, first of all, only set it up for a short period of time. That's Mm -hmm. lesson number one. And then, like, never go over. Like, I have a thing of, like, I always arrive if I, my meeting is at 10 I will arrive at 10 and if it's over at ten I'll be gone by 10
0: 30 and everyone knows that because they are they, they can go they on can a little on. bit too much chat I mean, it's, yeah yeah it's crazy what yeah. do you do to get away from the rat race well my
1: go-to thing is horse riding actually Lovely. love it I hunt and I show jump and it's my absolute mental escape and you can't bring a
0: phone with you or no, anything on that. No,
1: and you're so worked up and your adrenaline is is running that it completely relaxes you. Like after you finish, you're like, Oh my god, like I just want to go to bed.
0: <laughs> and how many days a week would you do this?
1: Well, you see, I don't really do during the week now because I don't have time. So it's a weekend affair. and mm. uh, so generally Saturday and Sunday. Lovely, get
0: it out of your system for the week Yes, yes. So obviously you have to take a lot of very important meetings and I know that you were talking about the importance of prep, but how do you prep for something that is a big deal in your life?
1: So, well, first of all, like I do a lot of prep. I never rock up, Mm. you know, and then I try in in a difficult meeting. If I know it's going to be tough, I I really go in with, you know, I have my story netted out and i have my data netted out that's so very data driven because that takes a lot of the emotion oh very out good of, you yeah you know the meeting and then i kind of do the self-talk thing of do not lose
0: it no matter what do not lose it <laughs> well i'm glad to know i'm not the only person that's yes. the talks. and <laughs> um, your proudest achievement of 2022 was it a work one? Was um, it,
1: a it probably one? was. Well, two things. Work one was actually the the um, really that whole project of the Russia Ukraine thing. Even yeah. though it was very difficult, but I think we got a great, a very good um, outcome in the end. Um, And then from a personal one, um, my son just graduated three weeks ago from Trinity College. Ah, fantastic. So that was super. You know, we were just so proud of him and he's our only child. So you can imagine. A landmark
0: (laughs) here, a landmark here. Yes. (laughs) Who do you think has had the biggest effect on your career?
1: Actually, I would say it's probably, we had a president of EMEA um, going back about, oh, it was about maybe 15 years ago now. And the reason he had such an influence on me was like, I was actually almost either about to kind of step off the career ladder or at least, yeah, or at least not, not put myself forward to progress any further. Mainly because I had all these assumptions in my head about the impact on my child and the travel and this, that, and the other thing. And he kind of sat me down and said, look, I just want to, you know, I just want to tease out your assumptions here and, you know, we can I've no problem with you making the decision you're making of not going for this role, but I want to understand your assumptions. And of course, when we teased out my assumptions, my assumptions were not valid.
0: Isn't <laughs> <laughs> it interesting? But again, it's the stories we yeah, make up in our own head. Totally. And I was I was like, happy out. No, nope, don't want
1: to go for it. No, it's too much travel. No. And at heart I think I didn't feel I was good enough. You Which know, so many road. women go yeah, through that moment. Exactly. But he kind of challenged me and said that's bs like you are good enough that's why we want you to go for it you know and he's like you will not fail you know so you needed a jump start i
0: did i needed and he gave it to and you. he gave it to me and i've given it to many people since i've passed it on i Be- love that idea though of just literally analyzing the, yeah the swot analysis it, totally. on, on the situation let's go through the facts like. Just
1: focus on the facts, you know. And it, it was it was eye opening to me actually. And
0: uh, as I say, I've I've used it to great. But well, we will since. all go and use it. Is there such a thing as quiet quitting? Does it exist?
1: Well, oh, I mean, it's hard to say. I I haven't seen evidence of it. I have to say, in our environment, right? But I mean, the media would say it's rife. Uh, you know, and and for those who don't know what quiet quitting is, it's really people who are saying. I'm just going to do the minimum. I'm not going to put in any more discretionary effort. Thank you. Um, I, I just think it's a mug's game doing that, you know, I, because like expectations are changing all the time. So like, if you just sit there and say, I'm only doing the minimum, you know what? You're going to get left behind and you're going to become surplus to requirements pretty quickly.
0: It's not called cruising for a bruising for nothing. Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's how I would describe it. Okay, if
0: you were to vacate your seat in Dell Mm. and somebody was coming along to take it, what advice would you give them?
1: I think the biggest advice is, you know, invest in knowing what your stakeholders really want from you. Because, and that's like step one is understanding what their needs are and their expectations are. And then that will that'll help you to create a map for yourself of what your priority should really be.
0: Nice one. Yeah, no, that's, and again, it's back to listening, isn't it? And asking the questions. Um, last question for you, Mary. And, uh, I hope you have the answer to this one. <laughs> um, the first day back at the desk after a long holiday. It's yes. always a tough one when you yes. get back in early January, you switch on the computer. I can remember seeing one friend of mine sent me a picture of his laptop nestled on a pile of selection boxes. Uh, and I, I thought that us. was absolutely brilliant. What should we do on our first day back, on our first real full day back? Yeah, so
1: I, I think it's always back to what we said earlier. It's the perfect day to say what is going to be my legacy this year. What is my one thing that I'm going to leave this year saying I did that. It made a difference. It's going to be part of my brand going forward.
0: Well, that's a lovely reminder. Um, Mary, thank you so much for joining oh, us know. today. It was a thank pleasure. You. Mary, again, thank you so much for a really, really great game changer conversation. I'm sure we would all love Mary as our personal mentor for 2023 to handhold us through the year ahead. And that may not necessarily be possible, but I think a lot of what she's talked about here is, and it's not too daunting to approach. And maybe we can see how incorporating some of it into our lives, into our working approaches works out. May I also say a big thank you to Tall Tale Studios and to the team at Image, Lizzie Gore-Grimes, Dominique McMullen and Bill O'Sullivan for their help in producing today's podcast. Incidentally, if you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to find out more in the series, you'll find them on our hub at image.ie forward slash work rest slay, as well as on all your usual podcast platforms. And of course, we'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate and or comment on what you've enjoyed. As we get to the end of the year and the beginning of Next, thank you to all our Business Club members, both new and returning for a second year. Uh, You've made the club the most lovely space, whether that be in the virtual settings or on image.ie or at any of our live events at the Westbury. I know I speak for all the team at Image when I say we've really, really enjoyed getting to know you. We've loved hearing about your businesses and your success stories, and we look forward to hearing many, many more of them in the year to come. I'd like to say a massive big thank you to our Crack Squad team of coaches who've come on board with us in the last year to further fuel and motivate our members. Uh, If you're a member of the Business Club who hasn't availed of your complimentary session, I really, really urge you to do so. You'll find full details on this along with background and membership details on the Image Business Club on image.ie. I suppose it just leaves me now to wish everyone uh, the very, very best of luck for the year ahead. It's going to be an interesting one, but we'll be with you every step of the way, and I'll be back soon with another episode of Work for Slay. Bye-bye.